0: Hello and welcome to A Light at the Crossroads, a podcast brought to you by Liminal 11, a mind, body and spirit publishing company with a focus on illustration and comic arts. You can find information on all our products, including our tarot decks, on our website, which is at liminal11.com. In honour of Pride Month, this episode of the show is hosted by Eleanor Tremere and involves a conversation with Catherine Briggs, the creator of the New Chapter Tarot, all about the relationship between queer identity and queer culture and the tarot. Just a reminder that Catherine's new chapter tarot was released earlier this year, features a full word by Rachel Pollock and is available through all the places you would normally get your tarot decks and liminal11.com. Just a quick note before we start that there's the occasional swear word in this episode. Uh, they're not bleat but they're not particularly pervasive either. But just a little note, if you are planning on listening around someone you don't necessarily want to hear swearing or think might not appreciate swearing, that there's a couple of swears in here. And now let's hand things over to Eleanor and Catherine.
1: Honoured guests, welcome to Light at the Crossroads and a new spirit has arrived. It's me, I'm Eleanor Tremere, editor for Liminal 11, and you might remember me from that one episode of the podcast, in which I was introduced. Stephen has receded into the shadows for this episode. I like to think that he's sipping pina coladas on a beach somewhere, and I'm sure he'd like to think that as well. But wherever he is, he has passed the torch to me for this episode in which we will discuss queer identity and tarot, because it's Pride Month. Happy Pride! Joining me is Catherine Briggs, illustrious author of the new chapter, Tarot. Hello, Catherine.
2: Hello, thank you so much for having me on
1: thank you for joining me. <laughs> I was going to say thank you for having me and I was like no that's not <laughs> that's not how that works. Um so obviously you haven't been on uh, the podcast yet. I know that uh, Stephen will be talking to you at some point about your amazing amazing tarot deck but um sort of in lieu of an introduction why don't you tell our listeners what your signifier card is and why?
2: Well, this is glaringly obvious, because my signifier card is also my self-portrait in the new chapter of tarot, and that is the Knight of Cups, um, with her uh, historically accurate Joan of Arc armor and her horses running in opposite directions. I identify with the Knight of Cups because of the wonderful combination of idealism and risk it all, messiness, um, <laughs> leaping into the unknown, because that's what feels right.
1: Um, Heck yeah! So yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's a really, really good description of of the Knight of Cups. Uh, I, I love how every time I've sort of heard you or like read you describing or signify you're always like, it's historically accurate. The armor is historic. Just so everyone knows, it's, it's historically.
2: <laughs> it's important to me. It's
1: very important. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And also, I mean, Joan of Arc is kind of definitely a feminist icon I, I mean I was just thinking she's a queer icon I don't even know that she is but in my head she just kind of has the vibe I don't know yeah. whether we should claim her
2: <laughs> yes yeah, so yeah I don't know if we if we should claim her or if that's you know the right thing to do but I think she has been claimed in the past um <laughs> so yes
1: definitely well, she's very strong I was gonna say very strong character but no she was actually a person a, a real, real person human. <laughs> So enough enough about Joan of Arc. Um, we are going to be talking today about the intersection of tarot and the LGBT community, because queers oh, fucking love tarot, man. Oh, I don't know if I can swear on this. Whoops, I'm going to say that again. Just in case. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so that Stephen can edit that out, um, or just leave all of this in. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the intersection of tarot and LGBT because um, queers love tarot and uh, we're going to be thinking about why.
2: I love tarot.
1: Yeah, and so do I. So
2: there we go. That's all you need. <laughs> there Podcast we go. Over. <laughs> We've solved it. Confirmed.
1: <laughs> queers love tarot confirmed. Yeah, so I guess uh, our first kind of topic question is is really why why? Why is tarot such a thing in the LGBT community? what's kind of the intersection between the two discuss?
2: yeah so uh it like obviously trying thinking about this question trying to answer this question um recently uh something that occurred to me is that queer people have questions mm-hmm. um And, you know, we, maybe we were socialized to be a completely different identity, or maybe our identity was never modeled for us, um, during our formative years. So we've got questions about who we are and what it all means and maybe like where we're going with it.
1: And if there's anything that the tarot does, it's answer questions. I think that's a, that's a really, you've sort of hit the nail on the head there really, um, because tarot is ultimately a tool so obviously it's something that we can go to but like why if, if queer people have questions why is it tarot that they go to specifically
2: right yeah because there's there's plenty of places to get answers to your questions mm-hmm. um so why why do, why are we all running around with uh, tarot decks in our pockets <laughs> several <laughs> exactly. tarot decks in our pockets
1: <laughs> i think there's tons of answers to that i've been thinking about this topic a lot recently um because of pride month and I think, I think there's a number of reasons. I I think the tarot kind of it in and of itself is all about self-development. It's a tool of mm-hmm. self-development. A lot of people use it. It's, this is a very modern way of using the tarot. I think, you know, using it as a, as a way to look inside yourself and, and really assess where you're going and why, and how well your intentions are aligning with what's happening in your life. Um, that I think tends to be I look at a lot of the spreads online and just you know interacting with the tarot community that that's those are the t- kind of questions that we ask about so obviously really great tool for the queer community because you know we're brought up being told that we're not you know normative we, we're brought up being right. told to be a certain way and we know that we're not that way and that is just going to cause a whole host of questions so I think that that, that by its very nature is is why we turn to it. But I feel like the the major arcana itself is kind of a journey of of self-realization.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it's not, I don't know, there's something very appealing about the, that it being a journey or it being Mm. like a path. There's not, there's not a definitive answer for you. Like you are this, there's not a prescriptive answer in the tarot. It's just like, this is where you are. This is where you're going. Mm -hmm. This is some advice. You are still you know, there's still some sort of freedom to make decisions, to to pick the destination or experiment with the destination.
1: Yeah, um, it, it really puts the onus yeah. on the on the reader, really, and and gives you the power and, and 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 challenges you to think about where you're going and what decisions you want to make. Which I think is also it's an it's literally an empowerment tool as much as it is. I think that's, right. that's a really really good point.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely like a lovely way to look at it. Like it's uh, as something that's empowering. And probably also it's appealing because it's something that's at least uh, historically like subversive or outside of mainstream culture. That's definitely always attractive for people. And maybe I won't say people, I'll just say myself. For if somebody (laughs) who who has felt uh, outside of mainstream culture, who's felt that they don't belong, it's like, oh, look at this thing that also is subversive and doesn't belong and is outside of mainstream culture
1: Mm -hmm. well yeah that's kind of another thing that i was gonna raise was that tarot tarot isn't mainstream and i think that's marginalized people tend to kind of flock together and um, gravitate towards other things that have been like shoved out Mm -hmm. of of the norm and and tarot is that you know
2: it's a it's a lovely um way to reclaim something definitely we're reclaiming the word queer so let's reclaim this thing that maybe was a a bit like taboo or Mm -hmm. outside of mainstream culture not Uh, even too long ago
1: (laughs) (laughs) something that you actually said when we were sort of talking about doing this podcast and, and what we will be talking about Um, you said something really cool and I wrote it down verbatim because I'm like uh, if if she's not going to say it I'm going to say it high Um, praise indeed (laughs) so you said if you're told you're wrong then you gravitate towards the weird and the esoteric basically other things that society thinks is wrong I thought that was just a a really great point
2: yeah like it's you're not alone in feeling Mm. like you're wrong. Um, There's a whole world of things that have been cast as wrong, Uh, subversive taboo, you know, however you want to frame it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not just you. So it's like, okay, well, if I'm wrong, then I'm going to go hang out with the other wrong things in air quotes. Um, Definitely.
1: I think it also makes you question what society sees as wrong. I think that's actually one of the Mm. reasons why like, you know, villains in in Disney movies are often queer coded, but then we look at them and we're like, then we sort of reassess what they want and how they're acting, and they end up being kind of icons and beloved by the queer community. But yeah, if you know, there's this there's this whole thing of 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 what wrong is, and um and and mm. we have to. If we're told we're wrong and we think, well, I've accepted who I am and I don't think that's the case, then I'm going to reassess everything else. But also wrong often just means defiance. Like it just means it doesn't fit into a box. And the tarot, I've been thinking a lot since I um, just, for, well, just all the time, but especially since I started working at Liminal about like the the intersection of like Christianity and tarot and the occult. And I think that if you look back on the history of um of the occult, the reason what we see is, uh, of it, what we see as being magic and being like sort of spooky and 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 occult like this, it's it's spirituality ultimately. Right. And if you look at a lot of like classic Western occultism, gods in there, angels are in there, demons are in there, the Christian yes. uh, and Jewish like like ideas, mythology, it's all incorporated into that. I would say even more so. I think the pagan stuff it was really like a a more modern incorporation when sort of the neo-pagan movement kicked off and and i guess folk magic is obviously a little different but folk magic often has christian elements as well because it is what people were doing every day and they were living in a christian world so if it's christian then why is it considered a cult why is it considered magic why is it considered Mm. wrong i think mostly because it's interactive you know one of the things that christianity really really Mm. does that not many other religions do is well, maybe they do. I, I mean, I'm not like an expert, but it stops you from from having your own kind of agency over um, spirituality itself. It doesn't want you to partake in it and wants you to go to church and believe the doctrine. Right. Which is a lot about dogma and control and behavioral, you know, it literally dictates like moral behavior. But if you're doing something for yourself, if you're taking spirituality into your own hands by doing spells or alchemy or astrology, even all of these things, the church really, really doesn't like that. So, yeah, it's So of outside the norm is, is what I'm kind of to bring it back no. to queerness. Yeah, um, no.
2: And then, and I think I think you, you sort of hit on something as well. Like there's there's a very um, limited bandwidth for what a good person means in mm. in these systems. Um, it's like a good person. Yeah, a good person looks and acts and loves like this and that's it. And there's Mm -hmm. no, um, there's no deviation. So yeah, if you're, if you're one, if you you don't, you can still be a good person and not like, you know, align with those values. Um, There's definitely more space to, to understand yourself, to, to choose your own path, to, to develop yourself into a good person that's authentic Mm -hmm. to who you are. And I feel like
1: identity, queer identity is, Interactive in the same way. I think that right. the way that societal norms kind of work is, you're told that you are a gender. You're told that you are that you have heterosexuality. I <laughs> like how you said you have
2: heterosexuality. Like it's something you <laughs> catch. <laughs> you have been diagnosed heterosexual. <laughs> I've been granted heterosexuality. Um. I
1: mean, that's kind of how it works. But yeah, it's like compulsory, and um the queer journey is very much like taking part in your own identity, constructing your own identity, Mm. and being part of the creation of the self, which I feel is the journey of the major arcana. I really think that that's exactly what's being laid out in, in that. I mean, I don't know if you have the same kind of interpretation of
2: the major. Yeah, well, well, like, well, Eleanor knows how I feel about the hero's journey. Um, yes. and it's like, <laughs> like basically the basis of all of my work. So yes, no, I absolutely it's the foundation agree. of your beliefs. <laughs> yes, and art practice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, I absolutely uh, agree with you about like the journey of the major arcana and mm-hmm. that that transition from fool to one with the universe. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, is, is the self like, and it's not, I don't know. And I love, I love in the major arcana that it's not a fun ride. A lot of the times, like yeah. it's, it, it can be, um, there are moments of joy and bliss. Um, otherwise, otherwise, why would you do it? Um, but there's, there's real moments of doubt and destruction and breaking down of the mm-hmm. the, the previous self, like the false self. And yeah, it's, I don't know uh, that to me that uh, one it tells a much better story and two is much more i'm going to say the word authentic again um because <laughs> it's been popping up uh a lot in my work recently um yeah it's a much more authentic representation of of what it's like mm. as, as a human yeah
1: yeah i think i think that's a good point the the hiroshani obviously is cyclical because it's based off of myth whereas yes. uh, and structures that occur in myth, it, it's more a study of myth than than anything else whereas the major arcana is messy and the lovely the way the tarot is literally designed to be shuffled so all of these things happen at any different time in your life which which makes it actually at a really brilliant point that you've just made a much more accurate authentic journey of how self you know development works because it's it's not not linear right there you go I love that (laughs) I think you're, you're right it does really talk about bringing down boundaries and and It really invites you to think about society and hierarchy. I mean, that's represented by the the hierophant. Um, The tower I have, I really, really enjoy as a card because, I mean, I say enjoy, we've all suffered from (laughs) from towers. I'm just continuously suffering towers in my life. (laughs) But I like, I think it's also about like bringing down boundaries and destroying structures that need to come down. I think that's like the core message. And again, this is very much the queer experience, like the queer journey itself. It's kind of the hero's journey, and I love how you drew, drew that parallel. I'm like, yes, my journey is—I'm going to use that <laughs> because we're going into the—we're going from the known world of compulsory heterosexuality and and gender, and um, and we're taking we're we're doing our road of trials. We're going within and, and and confronting our
2: antithesis.
1: You know, all of this stuff. Yes. Um, but then we're, we're also. Yeah
2: we're maybe meeting like some, some friendly guardians that are, that are helping us or modeling like mm-hmm. uh, ways of being to us. We're meeting uh, people along the way who are, who are challenging us um, or who are destructive to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're yeah. We're going through this transformative process.
1: Yeah. Transformation. That's, that's completely it. We're confronting who we are and we are the hero of our own story. And so I feel like our, our lives often follow that kind of map laid out by the the hero's journey, but Yeah, in terms of the tarot, we are we're bringing everything down. We're looking outside, and I like the star for what it says. So after the tarot comes down, and it feels like that's very that's when you kind of connect with the queer community and you learn you have all of this creative potential and you can build yourself. I feel like that's kind of the last little bit of the of the majors. Um, So like, what would you see is sort of in the major arcana, like queer the queerest cards or like real key parts of the queer experience?
2: Well, you know, we've been talking just outside of this podcast, like I keep drawing the moon. Um, so I'm going to say mm. the moon um, because she keeps being like, pay attention to me. And I'm like, I don't know what you want from me right now, but okay. Um, but yeah, I think the moon, the moon is a really queer card. It's, mm-hmm. it's that connection between your your unconscious self, your subconscious self, maybe the thing that you are initially scared of. Um, mm-hmm. That deep like Scorpio energy that that you kind of know and are aware of and are connected to, which is why it's bothering you, mm-hmm. and and bringing that up, integrating it, in, integrating it into into your conscious self, into your your day life.
1: I really love, there. yeah, that as like a career interpretation of. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned it actually, because I, I, when we were texting, I was like, oh, we need to talk about the moon card, not in the (laughs) podcast though. And now I'm like, no, I think we need to talk about the moon card in the podcast (laughs) because you're completely right. It is very queer. I love, I love that card for me. It's just very much, it's about going into this like land of literally the land of the night, which is one maybe Mm -hmm. of illusions, but also wildness, you know, it's, it's where you can just let let rip let loose you know unleash yeah. the wildness within um but it's it's so it has that kind of like almost like di- di- dionysian um like oh, yeah
2: okay di- ritual kind of, yeah <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that old guy you know we- that they they went out <laughs> into the into the wilds and they did a lot of a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. Yes, um, those guys. The dancing
2: and the drinking. <laughs> dancing and the, and the
1: drinking and the orgy. Yeah. yeah. All, all the yeah. good stuff. <laughs> it has that kind of element to it for me. Um but what I love is about if you're using it as a kind of queer allegory, you've got the the wolf and the dog and um they very much represent like the wolf is you know, like the primal origin point of the dog. Um, you've got these right. two creatures that are both canines and the wolf is its essential original self and has all of that primal wildness that you can sort of seize um, and and let loose with if you, you know, take that, that path in, in the moon card. But the, the dog is domestication. And, but it's also, the dog isn't lesser than the wolf. They're standing side by side. There's no yes. kind of judgment that this card makes about them. It's basically, this is who you are in interactions with community and this is you know you could see it as a queer allegory you could see it as the dog is queer people who are closeted or queer people who are like essentially domesticated by straight society and they need to reconnect with the wolf or you could see it as the dog is you know uh, the dog is a a great creature man's best friend and all that maybe the dog is who you are once you connect with the queer community this is yeah no your own crafted self and you know, there's a lot of ideas of like friendship that come with the dog. So there's that too. I don't know what scorpion is in this allegory. I don't <laughs> well, um, How, yeah, do, how do we clear the scorpion? How Catherine? do we clear
2: the scorpion? <laughs> it, well, I always read it as Scorpio, like Ooh. the um, like representing Scorpio, mm. that that energy of sexuality
1: mm. and oh yeah, uh, what's within? Those,
2: what's within? And those those extremely deeply felt emotions. Um, mm that really cut to the core, um, Scorpios don't mess around. No. Like, yeah. Like they know, they know, you know, they know, like it's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah. So I always, I always read the Scorpion as Scorpio energies.
1: I love that. I think that's, thank you for explaining that to me because I think the (laughs) Scorpion is often missing when I interpret the card. Cause I was just like, uh, I think I got to that point with my analysis of the card and was like, I'm I'm tired now I don't want to think anymore <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I never <far>. quite, exactly <laughs> I never quite worked it out but that's brilliant and and definitely it, they could even be like three points of a triangle for like for queer identity you've got the wildness within you've got who you are with when you connect with society and community in the world and then you've got yeah literally your sexuality um, yes. and obviously obviously there are parts of the LGBT community who for whom sexuality um is not as much of but it's still a thing but yeah I'm, I'm talking about like asexuals really yeah who I don't want to exclude from the discussion at all no, no 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 but that's still connecting with what sexuality is for you Your yes. Your understanding that it is a lack of sexual urge instead so I think the scorpion still sort of has bearing for the asexual community but for a lot of what I really find interesting about a lot of like allosexual quiz is that uh it Queer, queer discovery is is so often rooted in just like this this impulse and this deep urge. I saw this really interesting post um, the other day, which was was talking about how bi women are often like. Um, kind of made fun of or ostracized by the queer community for the fact that they you know there's all these stereotypes of like getting drunk and kissing girls at clubs and you know like maybe being promiscuous um and doing and partying and this that and the other these are all like grouped around this post we're talking about by women a stereotype but I'm like yeah that's also by men that's just kind of like stereotypes of bisexuality but my kind of so it was this this person was saying you know we shouldn't be you know ostracizing people for this because that's not fair and it made me really think and i realized one of the reasons all of that is is part of like the bisexual experience is because these are the spaces where we're allowed to follow our impulses you know society is very clearly cordoned off this is when you behave and this is exactly how you're supposed to behave but clubs or anywhere where you're getting inebriated or drunk areas where you are literally allowed to kind of lower your inhibitions you're encouraged to just let loose a little bit that's when you can follow these impulses and I think for a lot of people that's when they realize what those impulses are right and they literally can't discover them any other way so I think it's actually really crucial and also this has got like lumped into bisexual stereotypes but this has been a key part of the queer community in general this is how gay people sell lesbians this is how pan people like everyone everyone in the queer community Will often, you know, discover themselves through this method as well. It's not just—it's definitely not just by people because it's—it's it's impulse. So, um,
2: yeah, through a Scorpion.
1: A, a, <laughs> a room, a scorpion to bring it back to time, yeah,
2: bring it back to and maybe we could we could call it like the Dionysian like mm-hmm. method of self-discovery to bring mm-hmm. him back in. But, oh yeah, yeah. and Dionys
1: like the the Dionysian, the Eleusian, um, mysteries were were a, were a a community filled with with immigrants and with queer people, with women. It was where the marginalized people went. And so I think it's very, very, very telling that it was also known for literally going out into the wilderness and letting loose. <laughs> 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 These are the people who have been, who were pressed down by society's rules and right. simultaneously cast out by them. So we're just going to go, you're going to cast us out. We're going to have some fun right. out in the wilderness. In the wilderness, <laughs> where you dumped us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> that's the main card (laughs) yes exactly uh yeah um what other cards I think that temperance is often one that people think about Yeah, it's that rainbow yeah we got the rainbow
2: yeah Yeah. we got our rainbow and we got our I mean I guess that one is also like about integrating and about balance Mm -hmm. and about acceptance which is definitely part of it there's like a step in the process of like accepting queerness or yeah
1: and like tempering your reaction and your behavior to what's expected of you, but balancing right. that with, you know, who who you are authentically and then having to balance that again with wanting to behave authentically. And it is just, it's a constant balancing act. And and Rachel's yeah. interpretation of the card. It's so funny because I was I was writing a blog post for the um for our blog and I was like, oh, temperance, that's a queer card. I'll look it up. And then I had a look at everything Rachel Pollock said and I was like, Oh, she never, like, explicitly says queer anywhere in here. I think I just read her explanation was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who well, <this> is gay? <laughs> but, I was like, oh, she doesn't actually explicitly say that. But it feels like very – are there any other cards that kind of you look at and you're like, that's gay?
2: Um. Well, the devil. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, just the, the defiance. Um, mm-hmm. There is a measure of, at least in my experience, of, like – there comes a point when you have to say like, and I don't know if we're swearing in this podcast or not, um, <laughs> but you have to say, fuck you. I am me. Like students gonna have to bleep that. <laughs> okay. that's fine. Um, But to, yeah, to me, the, the devil card is, is basically F you. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely part of, of the queer experience of like, yeah, I am me. Um, And also like the scapegoating part of it, like, won't someone think of the children oh my god Mm. like kind of bullshit um another another thing to bleep. I'm sorry um (laughs) but yeah what won't someone think of the children the scapegoating the Mm. the reason why society is crumbling or why there's you know uh, terrible things happening to us is because some of you just won't behave
1: oh my god yeah and that's literally something that the queer community (laughs) seems to be (laughs) arguing with itself about recently
2: in itself yes oh
1: gosh King belongs at pride there we go (laughs) (laughs) that was exactly what i was going to say um i didn't kind of it didn't click for me until i saw like some kind of meme where people responded to this argument just with the i think it was in the simpsons the punch someone think of the children and i was like (laughs) oh 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 that's what it is (laughs) oh no (laughs) so yeah the devil is missing i love how the devil in your deck um you call you call them the advocate and you're very your explanation is very much like someone needs to play this role in society
2: yeah someone someone needs to society will come to a standstill will cannot will not i don't know no longer be able to function if there's not Mm -hmm. some some sort of like all right well why are we doing this like why? why is this the way things are done Mm -hmm. or like yeah definitely i mean to a certain extent i mean there's there's definitely like you know bad faith actors who are just like i'm just asking questions like (laughs) no that guy's a racist um not Uh, that guy yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's some way people play devil's advocate it's not great but at the same time um, it makes us have those discussions. uh They've said it so we can then pinpoint the people that we're now not going to be friends with. Not going to be friends with? Yes. <laughs> like, no, actually, I don't like your dog whistles. Um, so I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for outing
2: yourself. Right. You're um, just asking questions. I'm just asking you to leave. <laughs> like, I love it. Um, but I mean,
1: yeah, the devil. If you think of how the devil is is drawn, like how how they were depicted by in the you know the smith deck uh yes. specifically is is Baphomet so it's literally like the horned god and i think it's very clever like they were definitely intentionally doing an image that would be at once recognizable as the devil but they were also it's also the horned god and it's also um you know this sort of, sort of neo pagan deity so they are literally inviting you to question who the devil is and how they appear um yeah. because there's roots you know the these pagan gods were deliberately literally demonized by the church and yeah pan obviously with the cloven hooves and all of that so i think that's that is also built into the card yeah, yeah. question i i think that the tarot is just so much more oh, i can't think of the right word i've been trying to find this word for days and i keep saying <laughs> radical but it's not like subversive i guess it, it's much more subversive than than we kind of that it seems to be on face value because we look at the tarot and we see what we think are traditional gender roles um and we see cards like oh it's the virginal virginal um high priestess and the hierophant who is like this patriarchal and the emperor both sort of patriarchal like figures and then angels and 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 the devil and we look at it and we're like oh well this is just traditional this is really really traditional but it's not as soon as you start looking deeper it's deeply subversive and it and it invites you to to question i think um, a lot of your own life and how how you see things, and obviously you've got androgyny sort of hidden in there as well, and that's something that I know that you've really explored in your deck, the new chapter. You decided to play with gender a little bit in that deck. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> I did. I mean, I mentioned at the top that, my, that I that drew myself as the Knight of Cups. So mm-hmm. the Knight of the Knight of Cups and the Knight of Discs are women in my deck, and the Princess. I I didn't use pages. I used princesses. So the Princess of um cuffs and the princess of discs are men mm-hmm. um so yeah just because because you don't have to men can be princesses oh, yeah. can be knights. like yeah that was the most authentic here's the word, Ian, um thing <laughs> for me to do and then really there have. are there are a couple of um non-binary figures in the deck as well like they hear um yeah, I didn't. Uh, I changed it to the teacher instead of the mm-hmm. hierophant. Um So yes, that is a, a non-binary figure. It's just the teacher, um, somebody who's standing in a position of of learnedness, of knowledge, of power over you. Um, not necessarily patriarchal. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's
1: a really interesting take. Um, I I do like the way that you've degendered some of the some of the figures as much as you have switched some of the genders around. Um, and and your deck is actually the first one where I saw because we I've seen female knights in in several other decks I've never seen a male um, a male prince obviously the princess takes the place of the pages in your deck but I've never seen male mm-hmm. queens people don't do the other way around
2: no well that's misogyny for you mm-hmm. it's okay it's okay men for, can be we're...
1: princesses too it's actually yes. part of feminism
2: <laughs> yes it's not just that women are allowed to take on masculine roles and that's mm-hmm. okay um because masculine is always good right there you go yeah yeah. that's
1: the misogyny of it the idea yeah
2: yeah,
1: femininity is inherently bad or weak and and you can only you can only journey one way and it's into masculinity yes
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. you can only girl boss
1: (laughs) okay (laughs) i want i want a deck that is entitled gaslight gatekeep girl boss i would treasure (laughs) it (laughs) that's so good just every every single card is a girl boss in the girl- hey
2: submissions are open at Lumen Eleven. <laughs> so put <fits> together <laughs> please, your
1: please send me this deck. A girl <laughs> boss deck. <laughs> exactly. Uh yeah. So I mean how do you how do you kind of see the gender as how it's sort of how do you how do you think gender operates then in the tarot? Do you
2: do you see it as being social or, or Yeah, No. Of... I mean I think uh I definitely see it as like archetypal, like it mm. it exists and you, you are not fixed to it. You flow through it. You can approach it. Um, I think, I think previously I've said, it's like, like a train station. Like you can stop there. You can get off, you can wander around, get an ice cream and get back on the train and, <laughs> or you can get off and, and live there. Um, yeah. Yeah interpretation yeah. is gender. That's so great. <laughs> Get an ice cream, man. That's the
1: non-binary agenda. Get an ice cream. Get an ice
2: cream. Yes. Yeah. That it's um. Yeah. That we you know we can't deny that gender exists, and it's also I don't know. It's a part of it's a part of magical practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would never ever want I would never ever want to practice magic in a way that was like I can I am only uh, able to access femininity and quote unquote feminine parts of magic because I was assigned female at birth Mm -hmm. um that seems ridiculous to me um and counter to what I what what draws me to magic in the first place what draws me to tarot in the first place Mm -hmm. um yeah so I definitely see gender as more of like it's an archetypal thing it's you know the the role of of a princess doesn't change whether a man is the princess or a woman is the princess or a non-binary person is is the princess like um and the same thing with the knight like i i am performing this role of being a knight and it doesn't matter what gender is yeah something like that
1: yeah definitely um i think you said recently um you were assigned someone said you were female at birth and the world's been a bastard about it every ever since right?
2: yes yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> Just this is going to, this is a series of quotes stuff oh, that, that we've, yeah, that, that we've sent each other. <laughs> exactly.
1: But yeah, I mean, you, you make some excellent points. When I Google um sort of LGBT or gay tarot, which I have been doing because SEO is the God that we all worship um, mm. here in the content, mm-hmm. <laughs> content management side of things. And so many articles criticize the tarot for having quote-unquote traditional gender roles or just like having gender in it um so so much and while I while I kind of see their point especially for people who are non-binary or for people who for whom like traditional gender has never been something that I, they identify with that can seem on the surface to be ostracizing or yeah. um, or alienating but I think it's a misunderstanding as you as you said of like what what spiritual gender means and it operates in a very similar way to social gender um spiritual gender definitely is its energies essentially it's feminine energy and what does that mean and and these and every single to me every single card um invokes um various like uh, archetypes mythical figures deities ideas from from myth and from spirituality throughout history and that's something you very much leaned into with the new chapter as one of the reasons i love that deck so much i know it sounds like i'm really selling it but that's because i do (laughs) actually genuinely love it And uh, yeah, so I, I think that those are important to put into a deck where you're going to be shut the tarot isn't you. you want to see yourself in it 100%, but at the same time, it's it's everything, it's the world around you. and gender exists yeah. in the world, and it's how we think, it's how we relate to each other. Um, so I think it needs to be in the tarot deck. um it, it will challenge it will challenge you and how you see gender. and I mean that's that's a lot of what Judith Butler talks about when she um talks about what gender is and and how how it is a social construct. It's basically, it's a set of tools we've grouped we've uh, decided what gender is and we've grouped a bunch of attributes around you know those poles of of gender so that if you behave a certain way if you perform a certain if you look a certain way if if you say things a certain way you will be a, if you even feel certain emotions and um yeah. yeah and like express them you will be grouped into one of these two camps so a lot of what she says is like rework like we re- shape the bars of your cage or whatever it's like you're using all of this, you're deciding what of these aspects are you, and then you're deciding what gender is to you. Yes. Uh, so that's a so it would be cool to have a tarot deck that de-genderifies all of the aspects and all of the spiritual aspects that are grouped into these archetypes. But at the same time, I think those, the gendered archetypes, still need to be in there because it's it's history and it's spirituality and it's how we see each other and society. So it does still need to have a place in that
2: yeah it's it's definitely context mm-hmm. yeah we haven't we haven't reached a world where we are completely unsocialized from gender even if we um understand it differently better when we get older mm-hmm. like yeah we're still we're still held up to standards yeah that we, we didn't ask for but but they're there
1: it's still literally how we kind of understand the world um yeah and and all of that. So that's that's been queering the tarot with <laughs> um did tarot ever help you understand your queer identity?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know it I say it so flippantly now, like yes, of course I'm the knight of cups, but like that was a mm-hmm. process, like that was that was something that like I fought against. Yeah, because you know, I'm a sign female birth, so I my experience, like growing up and and wrestling with queerness was a constant monitoring of like, am I being feminine enough at all times? Mm-hmm. Am, am I, you know, like that constantly like in the back of my head? So just the process to even be like, no, I'm a knight, like and mm-hmm. and that's me that took that was very liberating and also a moment of like, yeah, not learning to not put myself down like Mm. instead of instead of it being like derogatory like oh you're a knight like like you're a failure like no that's who I am and it's great it's it's a mess but it's great (laughs) Um, yeah like seeing seeing that box as just as
1: all the positive things rather than because knights are seen as as positive dynamic um, exciting figures and it's interesting that you had to go through a stage of Feeling negative that that was what you identified with, whereas if you completely degender the whole thing, yeah, like knights are fun. Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. It's a.
1: Uh... I very much identify with the knight. Knight of Wands is my signifier.
2: Oh, nice. And,
1: <laughs> and um, I just remember growing up. I um I there was Jane and the Dragon was my absolute favorite, uh, like illustrated kids' book uh, back in the day, or one of one of my favorites. Um, And I don't know if it's a, it's a British one. So I don't know if you know about it. No,
2: no, I don't know about it. And also I think I'm a few years older than you and and in kid, in kid (laughs) terms, that's a lot.
1: (laughs) I think it was, um, it had been around for a few years, certainly. Um, but Jane and the Dragon was, it was a story, a picture book about like a girl who wanted to be a knight and she, you know, lived in medieval times and the whole, you know, she's always told to like sit in her room and spin while the boys are off having fun. And so she just gets out of her castle and goes, Finds and, finds and befriends a dragon and sort of, sort of through all of that becomes a knight in the series of books was all about her becoming a knight and going from sort of a squire to knight I believe and um it was rare like nowadays you can get books like that are a dime yeah. a dozen but at the time in the 90s that was that was like groundbreaking um for for me and yeah. really really helped because I always identified with the boys in things. Like when I watched mm-hmm. Star Wars, I was identifying with Luke Skywalker. You know, tr- I, I loved Treasure Island and I was um, identifying with Jim because I wanted to be the one that was going out and doing stuff. Yeah, it, making
2: stuff happen. Like yeah. becoming a hero. I was, I mean, like I said, I'm older, but like my my jam was Never Ending Story. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, like I am a You, me and my horse. Like, that's <laughs> all we need. I'm going to save the whole world
1: oh and you did and we thank you Uh, but it's it's funny how like I I longed for seeing girl heroes in in things like Kim Possible was one of my favorite shows Mm -hmm. um and I and I've because I'm non-binary I look back and I'm like I, I often question is this proof that I'm a girl and I'm like no I don't think it is I think it was more I had been told that I was a girl and so I was, I identified very strongly with these, you know, boy hero figures, but there was always that level of, they are not you because they are a boy. So I yeah. longed for girl ones because then I could be them. And then when I grew up, I realized that I was both of them always, yeah. you know, and the hero itself, maybe hero is actually a gender. Maybe knight is a gender.
2: <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Gender's a funny thing. So that it's I think- It's funny old,
2: funny old thing, gender. Funny old
1: thing, gender. <laughs> um, but with the tarot, I think that's why it's sort of important for it to be present so that you can look at it and identify with it and yeah. choose which one you are, um, which is why it's nice that, that you've sort of mixed around the genders of these figures. So that, to just show people that it can that it is mobile, that these figures are not like rooted in one gender role, which is cool. Yeah, Yes. Yeah, so like another thing is that tarot offers queer people a spirituality that we're denied by. Right. as well you know the world we're shut out by sort of christianity and other prejudices within other religions yeah so yeah, tarot yeah. is a spirituality we can participate in i mean yeah what was your kind of experience with finding spirituality and, and how did that intersect with your own kind of queer discovery
2: yeah i think i think i, I tried, a, tried a couple things out um definitely like it came up as a kid through christian through christianity but then was like nah, it's not for me honestly the craft had a massive impact (laughs) on me classic Um, iconic classic iconic um (laughs) and there you go there's four there's four femme presenting people who are making things happen who Mm -hmm. are dangerous who are different um and who also are in touch with nature and who are doing yeah who are who are doing things on their own without without needing to go to a building or mm. needing to have like um uh someone who's administering the spirituality to them. So yeah, that was def- that the, the craft is definitely a formative experience for many people my age. Um yeah. but also yeah, like spent some time looking at Buddhism and stuff like that and then you know obviously ended up back back in the craft um just my own version. So yeah, it's sort of a roundabout way of answering, but yeah, it was always It's always been witchcraft as home Mm. for, for weirdness and for like that independence and that, um, personal connection and that personal like crafting of how you want to do things Mm how how you want to, how do you want to make spells and who you, who do you want to pray to if, if at all anyone, um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's like a combination of of the stuff that's outside of societal constraints and moral structures, the stuff that's weird and strange and esoteric and quote unquote wrong, and also interactiveness, being able yeah. to take to participate and create. I think that's really the key. And especially witchcraft yeah. is like a place where women have t- typically, you know, been shoved into, and it's been used as a tool of ostracization and it's it's interesting how we have these modern movements of women identifying with it and people identifying with it um instead because it's like well why is this bad wait why is this bad if you're not doing magic to harm people and i mean even if you are (laughs) why shouldn't you Um, i
2: definitely like yeah i'm I'm a witch like be scared be scared of me exactly sure (laughs) maybe you should be Um, yeah yeah Yeah
1: um yeah and tarot too definitely definitely does that and it it's it's all it's all very constructive and um something I was going to say earlier sort of I think I I believe and I try to look this up but I don't think anything has been written about it which is a shame I really think that there is a history of tarot being present in the queer community going back Mm. decades even centuries and i would love someone this is this is a, a a challenge an invitation a request for the queer historians or just historians who have an interest in queerness and spirituality out there please investigate this because um i i do think we have plenty of proof from from you know people who have looked into queer history um yeah. that marginalized communities flock together and that queerness can be found in all of these different places and to put tarot as a part of that um i did a series of articles for Babel magazine a few years ago about um polari do you know about polari
2: oh i think only from what you've told me
1: (laughs) glad i'm spreading the word um so yes for, for (laughs) uh, for those of you who don't know it is um it's essentially like a gay language um it's british and it lasted from like the 1930s to the 1970s and um it was a way that gay men, especially, would talk to each other, and it it was incredibly coded. It wasn't like uh, its own language in, in and of itself. It was more of a coded dialect, and there's so much vocabulary. And um, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote the um, who wrote the dictionary. I'm going to Google it right now. His first yeah, name is Paul. I just can't remember. Paul Baker, um, who is the foremost um, historian, <laughs> expert on Polari. He did like a really huge project of um, interviewing a ton of, of people who used to speak it. Um, and he's compiled a dictionary. He's now in a book about it. And I interviewed him for this um, these articles that I wrote. And um, so one thing he sort of points out is that it, it's kind of notorious for being this is how men would pick up other men. but um, mm when Paul like investigated it he found that actually it was it was a community language it's how you would gossip it's how you would have fun with each other and um and and there's a lot of there's a lot of language to point out to point out the police um Mm. to warn each other which I think is really interesting and also just a lot of language to make fun of straight people which is so funny (laughs) (laughs) and then yes tons of language about like attract men that you're attracted to there's lots and lots of language about that as well. Um, but it's it's wonderful. And um, what was interesting when I um, investigated it, when obviously he investigated it as well, is that the etymology of these words actually goes back centuries before um, Polari became a thing. And it stretches all across the world, pretty much. Um, you've got Yiddish in there, you've got you've got a lot of uh lingua franca which was actually a dialect that was spoken in the mediterranean by merchants got a lot from the navy and sort of world war ii slang there's even some, some shakespearean words uh, and slang that has been preserved within palari that um doesn't exist in the rest of english anymore Amazing, um, but paliari was main kind of um, originator for Polari. I mean, that's why the two dialects have similar names. And Paliari was actually the language of carnival folk.
2: Ooh, performers. So, so I'm just- yes, yeah, so you've got theater kids, carnival mm-hmm. folk, gay people, um, and merchants.
1: Yeah, all mixing together. And And this, I just, when I wrote this article, these articles, I was like, positing a theory that this was essentially a what was a, a living history of of queer migration and queer location and, and, and community yeah. and, and social and, and social placement, it proved, I think, to me that that we are everywhere and also that we would especially find ourselves in these marginalized communities and that any anything outside polite society is always going to be queer as anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> because that's where we flock and it's intersectional. You know, nowadays we have the queer community as a thing, but before that was a thing, we were just kind of in the margins mixing around with everybody else. So to bring it back to tarot, I'm like, "Hmm, what was a carnivals?" Tarot. Right, tarot. And what was in the Mediterranean? Tarot. tarot. I think that tarot had actually been interwoven into the history of queer identity in Europe anyway since yeah since it became a thing that's my personal theory this is my invitation for someone to go deeper and actually find proof (laughs) (laughs) prove
2: me right maybe you are that person
1: Mm -hmm. submissions at liminal.com or whatever I don't think that's (laughs) email address I think it's just it's a way for us to to have fun and find find ourselves so did you ever um use the tarot for sort of sexual identity or was it just kind of gender
2: No, mostly just about gender. Mm-hmm. Mostly just about gender and like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what am I doing with my life? What-, what am I doing with my life? And like, why do I feel this way? I think terror for me a lot has a lot to do with like healing and mental health and emotional mm-hmm. stuff, which <laughs> sometimes goes hand in hand with being queer. Yeah, um, all of those lovely things. So. So maybe, you know, maybe, so maybe yes, like, but in a, in a roundabout way, like processing the emotions.
1: And when did you come to tarot? Actually, how, how kind of old were you when you discovered it?
2: Like 12 or 13. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's usually the kind of time you're finding yourself and discovering all these. Yeah.
2: Things. Yeah. When you're, when you're you're like, I'm not going to listen to you, mom, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. When you're, when you're questioning, everything around
1: you mm, I and was in a coven of. at that time as well
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make one happen but nobody wanted to be in the coven with me oh,
1: no. um I, I I got I think I actually I think it was a very decentralized coven I think I got two separate friends to agree to be in a coven with me but they never met but technically it was a coven of three and I would just like have like oh and yeah and I wanted us to all come together but we never actually did it never worked out but <laughs> It was, I don't know, it was teens, teens walking around.
2: Oh, before the internet.
1: Yeah. But I definitely, I didn't really know about tarot then. I don't think that in the UK, it was really that common in the spaces okay. that I was in. Um, I mean, where did you kind of pick up your first tarot deck? Oh
2: my God, I don't even remember. I think, yeah, I think I had to go into Philadelphia. Like I grew up in the suburbs. Mm. So I think I had to go into Philly, into... um one of the magic shops on mm-hmm. South on South Street, which is like South Street is like where you would go to walk around and like look at people. And there's like a magic shop and there's like, e there's like a sex store. Um and there's like a comic book shop and like around the corner. Yeah. Mm. Um yeah like yeah I had to go I had to go into the city to get one. And again, this is pre-internet. So you can't just like order a mm. off of Amazon. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. I guess the, I w I didn't go searching for Tara. I, I was sort of looking at magic stuff but there weren't any magic shops really I think mm. the first magic shop I went into was in Hull where I was um Ooh. Uh, when I went to university but I I feel like there was I don't think there was even a magic shop in Brighton um mm. and there would have been in London like I know the magic shops in London now but um, um you know Watkins books where I used to work oh yes <laughs> the oldest you know goes the back a hundred years or more but yeah, I guess I just didn't, I didn't encounter tarot until, um, until later on, but I'm, I was thinking back and I was like, oh my goodness, if I was a little, a little queer, which like discovering my queerness with tarot, oh I, I'm actually glad I didn't have it at that age. I would have been insufferable been asking <laughs> it all the time about everything. I was convinced I was psychic. It wouldn't have been a good.
2: <laughs> yeah. But didn't we all? Didn't, That's didn't we all?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I do think that young, that young like queer kids and, and young girls go through like a weird phase where we're like I am god actually <laughs> yeah
2: and yeah good on you like mm-hmm. yes believe in your like yes you are um the whole world is trying to take a dump on you so mm-hmm. be a deity <laughs> get
1: out Heck yeah! So we talked yeah. about a lot about what how the tarot is queer, and I think we have effectively proven our point. Um, and we can't so. hear what our audience is saying, so that means they're all agreeing with us.
2: Yes, of course, unanimous <laughs> agreement. Thunderous applause. Yay,
1: we did it. We solved it.
2: <laughs> Whatever. Send us send us our doctorates in yeah. queer theory.
1: Thanks, thanks, and all of the money that <laughs> and the awards, Pulitzers will be. You know, they're fine. Yeah. Please send them along no gold prizes anyway so in what way dare I ask this is me playing playing devil advocate in what way Ooh. is the tarot straight
2: Ooh, isn't
1: is the tarot, the tarot straight, straight question mark
2: well straightness exists
1: does it so. I mean I've heard tales <laughs> and I don't believe it I think it's just a phase
2: <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um. so if we are positing that you know the tarot includes or has room or space for the entire human experience um and the development of the human soul then i think we need to say that yes like straightness can exist within the tarot as a part of the human experience Mm
1: -hmm. i suppose hmm, i suppose when i say straight i mean maybe this is like a language point when i say straight i very much mean like normative literally heteronormative society I don't mean heterosexuality which I think is well heterosexuality is queer it's part of queer identity it's certainly part of part of bi identity definitely part of like the trans experience I don't think we should be afraid of heterosexuality I think that that's part of who we are heteronormativity on the other hand and straightness is kind of like the slang term for heteronormativity to me is very like rigid and it's all about conforming to societal expectations so I guess that's kind of what I mean um, yeah,
2: then, then I'm, I'm, I'm also going to say yes, because, because we've got the Hierophant hanging out. We've got, mm-hmm. you know, the emperor can be very much, this is what, this is how you do things. This is just how things are done. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be that way, but those, those energies definitely exist. The, because, and also the, oh God, this sounds shitty, but like <laughs> the hero needs to destroy a thing because because it's limiting Mm. it's you know the hero in the hero's journey like they go out they they are expanding the horizons of the society in which they exist and bringing that knowledge back to the society so that that it can grow and evolve so Mm. so there needs to be in order for that story to happen the restriction for the expansion to take place
1: yeah definitely yeah so straightness definitely exists within the tarot and i think Uh, yeah actually heterosexuality exists I think something I kind of didn't mention before and like what how gender exists in the tarot is it is duality a lot of Mm -hmm. of traditional associations are like these are it's the self and the other it is it is dualities that exist within life and the lovers is a really interesting card in terms of it's it's literally you can look at it as being a lot of you know. A lot of queer decks cast the lovers as being, um, you know, a same-sex couple, a uh, same-gender couple, and I'm definitely all for that. I think we should reshape all of these cards and, and find out what they mean. And, and lovers as being, you know, uh, uh, the epitome of romance as a card definitely needs that. But also, love—it's it, about love and transcending. Yes all limitations through love. So 100% we should be represented in that. But I think if you're looking at gender as being a touchstone for duality and he- like heterosexuality and the self and the other, it's it's about coming together. The lovers is about like love that reaches across boundaries, um, mm. which can also be very, very queer. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, a, a love of duality is not um, the queer experience because it is, it's reaching across societal what problems society void societal um, societies put in place, um, and then finding a higher truth through that. Mm. So I think that those ideas are also present. But man, I was just like, yeah, there's also heterosexuality, but then I queered it. I queered it again. I can't stop.
2: <laughs> can't stop, won't stop.
1: <laughs> yes, and will not apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what would you like to see in considering like everything we've discussed? What would you like to see in the future of tarot that kind of like? takes this into account how what do you think that would look like
2: oh that's interesting what would I like to see I think well I think number one and some decks do this so I will, I will definitely give them credit and I I should have done it more but like different bodies mm-hmm, like yeah I want to see I want to see different bodies I want to see like different relationships um yeah. I want to see, I want to see those boundaries because that that's the next frontier as far as like queering things up. Is like this, this really old and gross outdated idea that there's some sort of, there's some sort of um, spiritualized ideal form for a human being to take, which is nonsense um, mm-hmm. and needs to get rid of. And then as far as like, I don't know, queering the tarot, can the tarot get more queer? Yes, of course it can. Um, <laughs> But yeah and um, we second. didn't
1: even we didn't even talk about i was literally just thinking about like intersex people and how the tarot yeah. literally has intersex people as being the ultimate if they've got the duality of the two you know quote-unquote genders being the self and the other intersex people are within the tarot ultimate like alchemical apotheosis it's everything coming together and yeah if you look into like spiritual like the history of sort of where queer people um exist within spirituality and i know not all inter- intersex people identify as queer and that's very much valid um but there is actually a lot of history of, of intersex people being priests and yes spiritual leaders yes um so i love that that's within the tarot and i think it's something that is. Uh, if not inherently queer then certainly defiant of what we see as being normative um, in terms of bodies and it's celebrating that which is not normative so yeah more 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 diversity of bodies definitely I would like to see more disabled people even though that's not necessarily related to queerness but um, that's a representation issue that doesn't get talked about enough I think and yeah um,
2: no The tarot tends to hold up able
1: bodied, pretty, slim, white people as being, as you say, the epitome of humanity. And that needs to change. And I think disabled people, visibly disabled people, need to be part of that. Yes. Well, I think we've done as we said, we've solved it. So, Noble Purpose is incoming. I guess we have nothing more to say. Neither does anyone else ever on the tarot. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Everyone go home.
2: (laughs) Yep. We've done it.
1: Did you have any concluding points, anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get to say?
2: I think, I don't know. I think I, I think I mostly just want to, if we're wrapping up, I just want to wrap up on this note of like celebration and it's, Mm -hmm. it's lovely. It's, it's so lovely to, to feel like you're in community and in community that, that goes back hundreds of years with other queer people, with other weirdos (laughs) using tarot. We're the weirdos, mister. We are the Weirdos, Mister. Um and you know, using these these symbols, this system, you know, asking asking these these questions about themselves or the world around them, like you are in community with all of these people, with all of the other weirdos, Mister. And that's <laughs> lovely.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, that's really beautiful. And I think, yeah, tarot is a
2: part of that. Be be weird with tarot. Be be gay, do crime, read tarot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please, please, someone make a sticker and then, yes, and then at me so I can buy it.
1: We need that. We need the was it the girl boss tarot. It's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> someone out there is making. I'm going to Google to see if there's a Kickstarter actually. Oh, they're probably they oh, have yeah. the power of the internet. Girl boss tarot. Oh my, no. Wait. <sighs> oh. Oh no, it's a spread. Oh. No, no not yet. Is okay. Impressive. There's still time. There's still. It could be you, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast, Catherine and Stephen. If you're out there, if you are listening, thank you for having us. Yes, as well. Thank you,
2: Stephen. Sorry for swearing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sorry for sorry for swearing, Stephen. <laughs> All right. And thank you, listeners, for for joining us. You are the the angel on our lovers' card. If I am one of the lovers, and Catherine is the other one, you are the angel. So thanks for joining us in this little this queer little
2: triangle oh thank you
0: huge thanks to Eleanor and Catherine for that fascinating conversation and thank you for listening see you next month this show is a Holdfast network production go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy